Church West Northside. Um, so again, to Encourage everybody between now and March 28th, do us several things. One is, we just need you to pray. We just need you to pray over everything. We got a lot to accomplish, a lot to do. We've got to get the stage extended um, and get this finished. We'll be finishing things out there. Um, but um, so we just got a lot to do. So please, please pray. The second thing you can do is this be inviting. I mean, you guys know people, you know those who. Uh, May, maybe need a church. Most importantly, you know people who may need Jesus. And so just be reaching out and inviting people. Maybe you know people who you can invite to be a part of the launch team that's really going to help us. And you can, t- you can just ask them a simple question, and it's this. Would you like to be a missionary for the next six to eight months to just help us out as we relaunch and as we set ourselves on this new journey uh, that we are beginning as Point Church West Forsyth. So again, I just want to thank you all uh, for being here this morning, despite the weather. All those of you that are watching online, uh, if you're new with us, we'd love for you to fill out one of our Connect cards or in the back of the seat. Or if you're watching online, just hit that Connect link because I would love to connect with you. I would love to be able to reach out to you, send you a gift uh, from the church and so uh, just hit that link. And uh, also, if you have any prayer requests, just hit that link and you can put those requests on there. That would be awesome. But right now, let's just kind of watch a rundown of what the next few weeks, next month holds. Let's watch. Thank you for joining us for church today as we enter the sixth and final week of Colossians. I'm excited for what God is going to do in your life today as we worship and hear the word together. I have a couple of important things that I want to share with you, though, so you can stay up to date with what's happening here at The Point. First, I'd like to invite you to our Discover class. It's happening today. This is a great opportunity to get to know us, ask questions, and take next steps. Food and childcare is available. If you're interested, speak with your campus pastor right after service to get the details for your campus. Second, I want to give you a sneak peek for our next sermon series that's starting next week, Treasure Principle. Jesus told a story about a hidden treasure that, once discovered, brought life-changing joy. In this next series, we'll unearth a simple yet profound principle that will radically change your concept of stewardship. Jesus told his followers to lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. But what does that mean? He intended that they discover an astounding secret, how joyful giving brings God maximum glory and his children maximum pleasure. Join us online or in person and invite a friend as we dive into this life-changing principle that we all need to hear. Lastly, I'm excited to share something special as we begin to prepare for Easter. Our team has put together boxes, one for adults and one for entire families, to help guide you through repentance and fasting in the 40 days leading up to Easter. In these boxes, you'll find tools and information about Ash Wednesday, fasting, Good Friday, and daily reading as we go through this 40-day journey together. There are also daily activities to go through with your kids. We're calling these cross boxes, and they'll be available for pickup at your local campus on February 14th. If you're watching a live stream or Point Church online, we want to get this box to you too, even if you need it mailed or delivered. 
Just let us know that you'd like one at pointchurch.com forward slash crossbox if this is for you. Hey, thanks again for joining us today. We hope you're blessed by the rest of the service. In the classic movie, Dead Poet Society, Robin Williams played the role of a teacher in a very exclusive prep school. On the first day of class, he just gathers the boys together. He takes them out into the hallway because he wanted to show them the pictures of all those from the past who had graduated but who have since passed away. As they look at these pictures, he just simply says, we are just food for worms, lads. Believe it or not, each and every one of us will one day stop breathing. We will turn cold and then we'll die. So step forward and see these faces from the past because they were just like you were. They believed they were destined for great things and their eyes were full of hope. But you see, gentlemen, they are now just fertilizing daffodils. But if you listen real close, you will hear them whisper their legacy to you. So lean in. What do you hear? And then he whispers, carpe diem. Carpe diem. Seize the day, boys. You know, as I thought about that phrase, seize the day, some questions kept popping up in my head, such as, what does it mean to seize the day? I mean, when you hear that term, what do you think of? What does that mean to you? How does it relate to us as Jesus followers? And how does it relate to our mission to show and to share the love of Jesus with others? I mean, how do we seize the day, especially in a culture that seems very resistant? How can we share Jesus effectively when sometimes it feels like we're just about as welcome as that telemarketer that calls you 10 times a day, wanting you to renew your um, insurance on the car that you don't even have? How many get those? I get them every day. It doesn't matter if you block that number. There's another one that they call on every day. And it just seems that sometimes people are just about that resistant as when we get those calls. You see, the problem is we're dealing with people who don't think that Jesus or the church have anything to offer them. And so they don't engage in faith. I mean, they just dismiss it. In fact, Jesus isn't on their radar. Now, he may be fine for you, but he's just not for them. Now, I want you to know that's not a blanket statement. Okay, because I do believe that there are tons of people who are open to the gospel. In fact, I believe that God is still at work in the lives of thousands of people in our area, people who are within a five to 10 mile radius of this place who need Jesus and who are open to hearing about him. So again, how do we seize the day? How do we seize the day? How do we live on mission? How do we show and share the love of Jesus with those people? Now, the crazy thing is, if that's going to happen, 
then our showing and our sharing has to be a lot closer to what we read in the Bible. Because in a lot of ways, our culture today is closer to that of the first century than it was a few years ago. And that's why in today's passage, Paul is going to give the believers in Colossae some important clues about how they can seize the day. How they can show and how they can share Jesus in a Jesus-resistant culture. So if you got your Bibles or your phones or whatever you have that you got your Bibles on, if you'll open that up to Colossians chapter 4. And as we end our series today, we're just going to be looking at those at verses 2 through 6 this morning. Because there's so much there that we need to unpack. So Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. Pray with me and then we will dive in. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for all you do. God, even in spite of the weather, I just appreciate so much those who tricked out and came out to be a part of our in-person service. And Father, I pray that you will encourage them today as they are here. But God, I also thank you so much for all those who are watching us online. God, just be with them and encourage them and bless them. And Father, for all of us, open our hearts and open our minds and help us to put out everything else out of our heads today. Yes, the Super Bowl is playing later today, but let me tell you, that's nothing compared to Jesus. And so he's the one we need to focus on. And so Father, help us to just have open minds and hearts today to receive what you have for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Paul writes these words starting in verse 2 of chapter 4. Here's what I want us to do. I want you to stand with me if you would, and we want to read this together as the body of Christ. Here we go, church. Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. I guess Paul stopped there, so we're just giving him time to rewrite. Here we go. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. In this section of scripture, Paul gives us some great advice that can help us to seize the day. And as we reach out to people with the love of Jesus, I think some of the things that Paul tells us is going to help us to be able to reach out to those people that may be resistant, those people that may not want to hear, those people that think, yeah, it's good for you, but it's just not for me. So the first thing Paul points out here, if we are going to seize today, it is this. It begins with a commitment to continually pray for opportunities to share Jesus. To continually pray for those opportunities to come into our life. He put it this way, starting verse 2. Look what he said. Devote yourselves to prayer. 
Devote yourself to prayer. Now, the word translated devote is a word that means to continue in something, to give it uh, your steadfast attention, to persevere, to hold fast, and to not let go, not give up. And let me tell you, if we are going to have opportunities to share the, the love of Jesus, it's going to take prayer. I mean, we're not going to be able to do it without prayer. N.T. Wright wrote, what opens the door again and again in prayer, or is prayer. What opens the door again and again is prayer. That's what it is. Put another way, our prayer life should drive our witness. Our prayer life should drive our witness. That's why we, we have to keep on praying and not give up. Here's the thing. If we ever think that we can accomplish the mission of God apart from prayer, then we are just delusional. All right? If we ever think that we can accomplish the mission that God has given us to reach a non-believing world, if we think we can do it without prayer, man, we are just delusional. So here's what I believe. I believe that opportunities come our way almost every single day of our lives. But the reason we miss them is because we're not praying for them. Let me ask you. How many of you pray every single day for God to give you somebody to share with? Now, I don't want to see a show of hands, but I want you to answer that within your heart. I mean, how many of us really pray, God, today, as I begin this day, just give me somebody. Just give me somebody to share with. Give me somebody that I can pour into, somebody that I can put the love of Jesus into their heart. Now, understand, I'm not necessarily trying to make you feel guilty, but the reality is we don't see the opportunities because we are not praying for the opportunities. You get that? We're not seeing the opportunities because we're not praying for them. And Paul says, don't just pray for you, but pray for us. Pray for me. In other words, lift other believers up as you pray that prayer. And so when you wake up in the morning and you pray, God, give me an opportunity to, to, to reach somebody today, I want you also to say, and God, give this person and this person and this person an opportunity as well. Why? Because we're in this together, right? We're in this together. Now, I want you to know that I learned this principle of, of being devoted in prayer and praying for opportunities when I was in Bible college at Ozark Christian College. I was a junior uh, when I was traveling with Christ and Youth, CIY. And so I was at Ozark Christian College, but then I was also in a, in a group that traveled with Christ and Youth. And I played guitar and I played bass and uh, we traveled literally all over the Midwest and in the summers we did uh, literally almost cross-country tours. But that November of 1978, we played at the, at the National, at the Oklahoma Christian, it wasn't a national, it was the Oklahoma Christian Teen Convention. 
and it was in Muskogee, Oklahoma, USA. I mean, that's where it was. It was in Muskogee, Oklahoma. And so we were a part of the program. Uh, we weren't a part of the main session, but we were going to do a concert after the main session. So when we got there that Friday, we went in, we got set up, we had a time that we were able to rehearse. And then after we rehearsed, we went downstairs and we had a room that was assigned to us in their basement. This was a, a large, large church, uh, First Christian Church in Muskogee, Oklahoma. And uh, our leader was a guy by the name of Tom Lawson. And let me tell you, Tom was amazing. I mean, he's just amazing. I just had so much respect for not only him as an individual and what he had been through, but, but also just his insights and his teaching. And so that night, or that afternoon, as we sat there together in a circle and Tom shared a devotion with us, his devotion was from this. And he talked about being devoted to prayer. And he talked about getting opportunities to reach people. And this is what he said. He said, in just a moment, I'm going to ask each, and each one of you to simply pray, God, give me somebody tonight that I can share Jesus with. Just give me somebody tonight that I can share Jesus with. Now, I'm in Bible college. I'm a junior in Bible college. I've had all these Bible college classes. And when you're in Bible college, you just think you know all everything, right? You think you've got it together and you're ready to conquer the world. But let me tell you, that prayer scared me. That one scared me because I knew inside who I was and I knew my weaknesses and my shortcomings. But I want you to know when we went around that room, I prayed that prayer and I just simply said, God, tonight, I want you to give me somebody to share with, somebody that I can pour into, somebody that needs Jesus. In my mind, I'm thinking, God, that's probably going to be another teen. That's going to be a, a young person who's there for the convention. But God, give me somebody to share with. Here's the thing. If we're going to see opportunities We've got to pray for opportunities. And Paul says, devote yourself to praying for those. To pray for those opportunities. But the second thing Paul says is this. He says, watch for those opportunities and then be thankful. Watch for those opportunities and be thankful. Now let me ask you, what are we watching for? When Paul says, watch and pray and be thankful, what are we watching for? Again, we're watching for opportunities to share Jesus. And what are we supposed to be thankful for? We're supposed to be thankful for those opportunities that God gives. But if you're like me or when I was that age or with where a lot of people are today, you're thankful when those opportunities don't come, right? You're, you're thankful for when God put somebody else in front of you and you don't have to talk about Jesus. But Paul says, be thankful for the opportunities that you get. You see, we need to be thankful for those opportunities that comes our way. So we need to watch. We need to pray and we need to watch. Let me go back to my story of the teen convention. So after we met for devotions, we went, had dinner, we got um, ready, 
for the evening, and then we went to the main session. Main session was awesome. It was great worship. There are literally probably 1,000 kids in there, 800 to 1,000 kids in there uh, from all over Missouri and Oklahoma and Kansas. And there was a, a point in the message where, I don't know if you've ever had this happen in church, but, you know, the, the speaker was getting close to the end of the message, but you've been sitting for a long time, and it's, you drank a lot, you know, during dinner, and you have to take a Nature Valley break, right? And so you got to go to the bathroom. And so I just ended up getting up, and I slowly went out the two double doors in the back, and then I went into the restroom. And when I came back out, I looked in the window that there was a window, yeah, like that, in the doors. And I just looked in because I wanted to see where they were in the service because I really didn't want to go in if the speaker was inviting people to to accept Jesus. I didn't want to interrupt that. So I just kind of watched. Now, this was a large church, and it was a large, long foyer. So there were two double doors here, there were two double doors there, and there were two double doors there that went into the auditorium. And because it was a teen convention, the back wall was just covered with displays from Bible colleges and mission organizations and other things so that the young people could, could look and get uh, information and brochures from all these different uh, vendors that were back there. And then at each end of the foyer, there were steps that went down because there was a parking lot there and a parking lot there. And it went down to a, uh, to, um, uh, a level that then went out to the parking lots. And then there were stairs that went down to the fellowship area. So I'm standing here at these double doors. I'm looking in the window when all of a sudden from my right, I hear the door open up at the bottom of the stairs. And I look and it's a young guy, probably I'm guessing 25 to 30, right in, right in that mid to late 20s. And if there was ever the picture of the typical Oklahoma cowboy, he's on the picture right? He's got the cowboy hat on. He's got the, the, the cowboy shirt on. He's got the huge belt buckle on. He's got cowboy boots on. You know, I really wanted to go out into the parking lot and see where he had his horse tied up, but you know, I didn't say anything. And so he comes in, he upstairs, and I, and I see him, and I kind of wave at him, but then I go back to just looking through the window in the door, And he comes up and he comes back behind me and he's looking at the displays. And then I sense the Holy Spirit slap me upside the head and say, what did you pray? What did you pray? Didn't you pray for an opportunity for God to give you somebody to share with? Didn't you pray that prayer? And I said, yeah, Lord, I I did. I, I prayed that prayer. He said, turn around and watch. And so I did. And as I turned around, this this young man was just kind of standing there. And so I began to make my way over to him. Here's the thing. If you honestly pray for someone to share with, believe me, they will be there. Why? Because that's what God's heart beats for. 
That's what God's heart beats for. It's the thing he wants most in the world. It's what he is passionate about. And so you got to pray. And then you got to watch. Because God will put you in a situation where you can make a difference in somebody's life. And let me tell you, you will not have trouble being thankful when you see God begin to work in that person that you have just poured into. But Paul gives us a third thing, and it's this. He says, model a consistent lifestyle. Model a consistent lifestyle. Look at verse five. He says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. We must understand that the way we live speaks volumes. Whether you realize it or not, when people know that you are a believer, that you are a Christian, they will watch you. And they want to see that the way you live matches what you say. They want to see that Jesus is making a difference in the day-to-day grind of your life. In fact, back in chapter 1, Paul wrote these words in verses 9 and 10. Look what he said. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. And then look at this. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. You know what Paul's praying here? He's praying that we will be people of our word, he's praying that we'll be people of our character. He's praying that we'll be people who live wisely and who make the right lifestyle choices. That we will be people that others want to get to know. Here's the thing. Whether you realize it or not, every day of your life is an integrity test. It's an integrity test. And the question is, how are you doing? So model, Paul says, a consistent lifestyle. Be wise in the way you act towards those around you. Because when you do, get this, opportunities will come. Opportunities will come, which leads me to this. The fourth thing is this. You've got to take advantage of the opportunities that God gives, right? I mean, you've got to take advantage of the opportunities. Paul wrote, make the most of every opportunity. You see, it's one thing to pray for an opportunity. It's another thing to watch for the opportunity. But when the opportunity comes, the bottom line is you have to take advantage of it. You've got to take advantage of the opportunity. So let's go back to my story. And so as the Holy Spirit slapped me upside the head and said, what did you pray? And I said, I prayed for somebody, somebody to share with. And then he said, turn around. I began to walk towards that young man. And when I did, I just simply said, hey, man, can I help you? Is there anything you need? My name is Jerry. And he hesitated for a moment because he had his head down like he was looking at. He had one of the brochures, but I don't think he was reading it. I think he was just holding it in his hands. But he was, he was just looking down. And when he raised his head up after a few moments... He said, my name is, he said, my name is Jake. And he had tears streaming down his face. And I said, man, is there anything I can do? Again, I'm a college student. 
He said, I was engaged and we were planning on getting married here in the next month. And tonight, just about an hour ago, she left me and she walked out and she said she didn't love me anymore. And she said, I didn't know what, he said, I didn't know what to do. And so I've just been driving around for the last hour. And I drove by the church and I saw all these cars here. And so I thought, maybe, maybe somebody there will be able to help me. Maybe the thing I've been lacking is, is God in my life. Now I want you to know, I wasn't necessarily thankful at that moment because I'm thinking, this is above my pay grade as a college student. I'm not sure I know how to answer this one. But I did something right that I want to encourage you on, and it's this. When you are in those opportunities, it is okay not to have the answer. It's okay to say, why don't we find the answer out together? Why don't we study this and find the answer? Or in this case, I said, would you mind if I go get my leader, my, the guy that leads our group, Tom, because I know he'll know because he will understand. You see, his wife suddenly got sick this last year and she died within just a few months. I know he'll understand. Would you mind if I go get him? You see, that's okay. It's okay to do that. So don't ever feel like just because you don't have the answer at the moment that you can't help them find the answer. And so I headed off to get Tom. Which leads me to this. Paul says, fifthly, choose your words wisely. Choose your words wisely. Paul wrote, put it this way. He says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. You see, whether you realize it or not, words, they have incredible power. I mean, they can do tremendous good or they can do tremendous harm. They can encourage and they can build up or they can tear down and they can destroy. They can bring clarity or they will cause confusion. So let me ask you, what type of words are you known for? I mean, seriously, what type of words are you known for? I mean, if, if your family and closest friends were polled, what would they say about your words? How would they describe your conversations? I say that because of this. The reality is your words speak volumes about your character and especially about the God you follow. And maybe that's why Jesus said in Matthew 12, verse 30, first part of verse 34, for whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Did you get that? Whatever is in your heart determines what you say. That's why it's so important that we learn how to choose our words wisely because what we say can lead someone closer to Jesus or it will cause them to remain far away from Jesus. 
Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 9. I love how the Message Bible puts it. Look what it says. So, if you speak in a way that no one can understand, what's the point of opening your mouth? That's good, isn't it? I mean, if you speak in a way that no one can understand, what's the point of, just, what's the point of opening your mouth? Just keep it closed. Here's the thing that really broke me that night. What if I hadn't answered the call? You see, as Tom and I went downstairs with that young man, and we went into the room where we had shared devotions together, in the room that I had prayed that prayer, Tom just began to pour into him. And Tom told him his story. And he told him about what he had went through this last year in the loss of his wife and how he handled that. And more importantly, how God got him through. And then he shared God's story with clarity and with passion. And when he was through, that young man accepted Jesus into his life. And again, the thing that broke me when it was all said and done, I just kept thinking, what if I hadn't prayed? What if I hadn't prayed? Would there have been somebody else, maybe? Would somebody else had come along in his life and poured Jesus into him? Could have been. Would he have accepted Jesus? Possibly. But what I did know was this, because I prayed, because I watched, because I answered the call and took opportunities to talk into him and to bring somebody into his life who could pour into him, guess what? He accepted Jesus. And he was taken from a life that would have been separated from God into a relationship where he was a part of the family of God. And another precious soul was delivered from an eternity in hell. Let's reflect. We live in an area where there are thousands of people who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We live in an area where there are thousands of people who don't have a church that they call home. And Paul tells us that it's time to start praying. It is time to start praying. It is time to start watching. It is time to start taking advantage of those opportunities. Why? Because it's time, Paul says, to seize the day. Because people need Jesus. So stop a moment. And I just want you to think about this. Maybe, maybe that's why he has you at the job that he has you. It's not necessarily because it's the greatest job, but it's, maybe it's because of the people you can influence. Maybe that's why he has you in the apartment that you're in or in the subdivision that you live in. Because of the people he knows you can pour into. 
Maybe that's why he's put you with the friends that you have so that you can pray for opportunities to influence their life for Jesus. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to just close your eyes for a moment. Just close your eyes. Everybody here, everybody online, yeah, I know it's weird because you're online. But guess what? God still sees. So just close your eyes. Just close your eyes. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to picture that one person that you know who needs Jesus. Just picture him. Picture him in your mind, in your mind's eye. Begin to see them. Do you see him? Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to begin to visualize what their life could become if Jesus took over their life. And if they surrendered to him, can you see that? That's okay, look up here. Here's what I want you to do. This is your next step this week. Every morning when you wake up, I just want you to pray this prayer. I want you to pray, God, give me somebody to share with today. Give me somebody who needs encouragement. Give me somebody who needs Jesus. I just want you to pray that prayer every single morning this week. And I also want you to pray this. And God, give, and you put their name in there. Give Dallas, give Garen, give Darren, give Amy, give Bronte. Whatever name you want to put in, pray, God, give that person that same opportunity to show and to share the love of Jesus with somebody today. Why? Because, again, we're in this together. And Paul says we need to be praying for one another. He's, he told the people in class, they pray for me as well. Pray for open doors. Pray that I may share the message with clarity. And so as you pray for you, pray for them as well. I don't know where you're at today, but I do know as a church moving forward, this aspect of who we are as believers has to become more of a reality. And we got to begin devoting ourselves. We got to begin praying and watching for those opportunities so that we can seize the day. I believe that the greatest days in the life of this church is ahead of us. I believe that God is going to do more than we could ever, ever imagine. But I want you to know, he's going to do it through you and me. Right? He's going to do it through you and me. He's going to use us to touch this world and this community for Jesus. So I don't know where you're at today. But my prayer is that you will begin to pray and devote yourself to that prayer of just praying for those opportunities. If there's anything on your heart today, anything you would like to share, maybe this has been a struggle for you and you're just saying, how can I do this better? And I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to pray with you. We have others who would pray with you as well. Maybe you just need to give your life more to God, maybe through repentance, maybe that's what you need. Or maybe you just need to surrender your life to Jesus. Maybe you need to be immersed, to be baptized into Jesus. I had the privilege last night 
of sharing in two baptisms, Sean and Bronte, right there. They were baptized last night up at Jefferson. Their families are up there. And Robin, who's a close friend, was able to baptize them in the Christ. I was able to have a part of that. And I'm so thankful that they surrendered in that way to their God. I'm looking forward to the day when that just becomes a natural part of what happens in this place. So if that's you, I'd love to talk with you and love to pray with you. If you're watching online and and that's a decision you need to make, I pray that you hit that connect link and you just share that with me and I will get with you and we will talk about how you can have that relationship with Jesus. Pray with me. Father, thank you so much for all you do. God, I thank you that we, that we have the privilege of being used by you to touch the world. You have no other plan but us. So help us, Father, as we reach out and as we share. God, we just love you and we praise you for all you do. Thank you so much for being a part of our life. It's in your name we pray. Amen. If our worship team will make their way up, we just want to move in to a time of communion today, a time of the Lord's Supper, a time that we can share what our God has done for us. Hopefully you were able to get your little communion packs. As the worship team begins to sing, if you would just take some time to just pray and focus and take communion as a body. Those of you that are at home, I hope that you have your emblems ready and and are ready to just share in this with us. But we just want to open our life up and open our heart up to what God has done for us and through us. So let's pray. Father, as we go into this time of the Lord's Supper, may we never forget the price that was paid and may we never forget what you have done for us. But God, may we never forget the mission that we have to reach those around us. We love you and praise you and it's in your name we pray. Amen.